0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are doing something we have not done in weeks now. Weeks! Ever since we were sent to the basement to do the show, we are bringing together the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, whatever you want to call it. Mike Fortune and Ed Hom are going to join me, and we are going to talk about all kinds of stuff. And here's the kicker. We are going to do it without mentioning two words that begin with the letter c this is a letter c word free zone for the next podcast just to give you a break and there's dogs too
1: enjoy today on the scott radley show on 900 chml
0: as best we can as best we can and it, it, it may be impossible to some degree to not mention it at all but at best we can today is going to be the COVID free edition of the show. We're going to do our best. It may come up. Don't 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 complain if the word pops up. We will do our best if it does to steer back away from it so that we're not spending too much time. So I know everyone needs a bit of a break. But to make that happen, I said, what can we do? Who can we get? To make that happen and uh, two people came to mind we are we love it we're on the, when they're on the show but it's it's been tough we can't get people into the station i'm in the basement doing the show it's it's tough these days and we have not done a brightest conversation in hamilton radio i mean we like to think that every day is that but you know by quote quote brightest conversation in hamilton radio in eight nine ten weeks i don't know so i said let's get them in so we today annette Hom from chch morning a morning show and Mike Fortune from Cable 14, probably more famous to all of you. This is the one time I'll mention it from the city's town hall meetings every Wednesday. Now, guys, thanks for doing this. This is this is great. Oh, well,
2: thanks for asking us. And hey, Mike, nice to see you. Kind of Annette, on the radio. nice
3: to hear your voice and see you again. And Scott, thanks for having us on. And you know what? It it will be possible that we will not say the word that you said, Scott. And I think we should put a little wager between the three of us. Whoever says it first maybe has to put something in a pot towards a charity or something. What about that,
0: the odds of You know, Mike, initially I was going to refer to it as the C word, and then I realized there's a really bad (laughs) C word. (laughs) So you can't say that. So we'll just say the word and we'll try to avoid it. Um, Before we get to that, though, I did want to say not to before we don't get to that. I guess that's the way I got to say this. Um, Have either of you, Mike, I'll go to you first. Have either of you ever ego surfed? Uh, have you ever stumbled upon something online and then gone down the rabbit hole and, start, and looked up your own name to see if there are other people who share your name online?
3: I've had nine, nine weeks to do that, Scott. What do you think <laughs> I do with my time? <laughs> so, and then have
0: you ever done that?
2: Um, I have because it's it, – and I found a few matching my name.
0: There are, there Mm -hmm. are. So I, I had this thing the other day that made me think of it. I learned somehow because I typed my name because I was looking for an old story that I had written. And the easier way is just a Google search. Well, I typed something and I discovered that apparently there's a Scott Radley who owns a car dealership in either West Virginia or Virginia or something. And of course, then you're like, oh, all right. But then today, now Annette, you, it's difficult with you because you are so famous I mean, you even have your own Wikipedia page. Um, You you are so... Is that your husband laughing in the background? My
2: Wikipedia page, but it's really accurate. Is it? It, It's scary accurate, yes.
0: I'm going to start to go in and start changing things right now. Let's see. I'm, trying, I'm just calling it up right now to say, oh, it's a long <laughs> Wikipedia page, too. Holy cow. Look at this. yeah. I mean, most people get a Wikipedia page that's one sentence, and it's got four mistakes in it. Yours is uh, – but so, Annette, I'm going through this thing, and there are other Annette Homs. i got to go way down here. i got to scroll and scroll and scroll before I find someone who's not you. I'm telling you, you're really, really, really famous um I, i'm just i'm surprised you haven't charged us triple yet for your appearance fee um, yeah,
2: triple times nothing
0: <laughs> uh let's see here there's someone who is uh a coach and a who grew up in a family of business owners entrepreneurs inventors manufacturers bookkeepers and salespeople. i don't think that's you uh there's someone who is involved with uh, seeds and planting stuff i don't think that's you um there's someone who's involved with better homes and gardens real estate i don't think you're that Nope. But and there's someone in Norman, Oklahoma, called Annette Holm. Um, I don't know if that person is why they're online, if they're a criminal or what. But um, that's an Annette. Holm. But Mike, I got to say, Mike Fortune. I look up Mike Fortune. Mike, you're an interesting guy. At least the people who share your name are Uh There's, I, I, yeah. there's a lot of Mike Fortunes out there.
3: There's a woodworker. I, I like the I like the Mike Fortune who's an MMA fighter. I think that's yeah, he's cool. not very
0: good. He's, he's not zero very and two,
3: good, but you know. <laughs> If you no, had your it's, it's hair, neat how many Mike fortunes there are, I have
0: noticed that. And, uh, Hey, I lead an interesting life. What can I say? There's a technologist. There is, uh, a guy from grail making sweatshirts and hoodies. Um, there's a guy in Portland, UK. I didn't know there was a UK, uh, a Portland in UK, but yeah, the MMA guy, Mike, if the MMA fighter named Mike fortune had your hair that would provide a, a shell of protection against blows and kicks he would probably be nationally or world ranked
3: he, he would
0: survive he could go up uh, against george st pierre no problem i also like the mike fortune who's a drummer in in the jazz uh, quartet i think that's pretty cool too and there's a mike fortune that teaches people to play gospel music by ear <laughs> so you know things to so the, the great thing about this you can put these on your resume and who's ever going to know i spoke at a class one time in the instructor before i went there it was a journalism class. And the instructor asked, everybody had to write a one page story about me, the guest speaker that was coming. And then when I walked into the room, he handed me all these pieces of paper and said, can you look at this and tell us which, what is accurate and what isn't? And most of them had got it completely wrong because they just went online and read my name and decided that I was the guy who owned the auto body shop in West Virginia. And that's why I was coming to speak at a journalism school.
3: And and, and what does that teach you know you you two are journalists and that what does that teach us always do your homework check and recheck your facts right
2: that's right that's right
0: never assume because if you assume it makes well you know what it does it makes you a blogger uh, anyway
1: I'll <laughs> move on from that oh. you're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on nine hundred chml.
0: Usually, I would say in studio with Annette Holm from CHCH and Mike Fortune from Cable 14 and the city's town hall meetings every Wednesday, the star, I will say, of the town hall meetings. Those other people, pff, Mike Fortune is the reason people tune in. Well, anyway, thanks.
3: I, I don't think that's the case, but thank you very much. <laughs> well, well
0: I, I'm saying it's the case, and the other ones can fight me over it. Okay. Um, Annette, today is a really a significant day and i think everybody knows this i hope everybody knows this today is ve day 75th anniversary of ve day do you think people know in 2020 do you think people know enough about ve day and what it is and what it stands for and all that or do you think that we have started to slip a little bit in the number of people who could tell you much about it
2: oh uh, interesting we had a great interview on from the uh, from one of the historic directors from juno beach center on the on the show today and and he had great facts that i didn't know about um but yeah i i i wonder how many how many kids learn it learn about it in
0: school i think they do i mean i think they learn uh, my but well maybe i shouldn't say learn i think they are taught i think it's presented to them Uh, my question is mike do you think that people in 2020 who are in school and I'm not I'm not bashing millennials or gen whatever they are now, but do you think that it's of interest to them? Because it's a lifetime ago. It's it's two life, it's five lifetimes ago. It's not probably seeming to have much relevance. Do you think that do you think that kids now and even young adults now really get what it's about?
3: I think kids are understanding more and more about Remembrance Day because we know that's celebrated every November. Um, but when it does come to, uh, you know, May 8th and what VE Day stands for, I don't believe that is talked about and discussed as much. I'm sure if the kids were in school, there might be a brief mention of it um, over the announcements. And and I've felt for quite a while now that we as a country don't do enough to to really honour and celebrate those who choose to serve our country. And These are discussions that I think should happen on a more regular basis, and it does start uh, at home, but then it should also be followed up in the classroom, I believe
0: yeah i you know i i was watching now this is not a a, a ve day thing but it ties into it uh, back on christmas eve and i didn't even i'd never known this before but there's a cemetery in the netherlands maybe you guys have both heard about this it, w- it was new to me and i'm gonna mispronounce it but the uh Großbeek, uh second world war canadian cemetery and every christmas eve the 2300 or whatever it is Canadian graves that are there, they put a candle on each one and then the whole town comes out. And it's it's unbelievably moving. And, and people in the Netherlands clearly take this day way more seriously than we do. I just don't know how something like this, w- w- when you have visuals like that and you have we have many Dutch people in this area for whom this day is monumentally important in it. I just, I, it's always struck me that this one kind of slides by unless you are older. It just seems like one of those days that just, no, nah, it, it may get mentioned, but certainly we're not spending a whole lot of time on it.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I've been to uh, Menengate Meningate in, uh, in Belgium too, which is, and, and they do a ceremony every single night. All year? With, yeah, every every night of the year, and it is. I've I've had the honor of being there two nights uh, on different trips. It's amazing. And what do they do? And and it's great. So they basically everybody uh, there's a, there's like an arch, a, a memorial arch, and and people gather. So you've got tourists coming in. You've got always lots and lots and lots of students, and typically students from around the world. And then locals come and they have, um, like, wreath-laying ceremonies every night. And it's really moving. And I'm, I'm encouraged by that to see, both times that I was there, how many young people were there.
0: Yeah, Mike, I mean, I suppose the positive from this is that if we don't have as many people who are paying attention... Uh, it probably means that we are further and further away from having our people, for the most part, in the line of fire. We do have military people, of course, in Canada, but not everybody doesn't know someone whose kid died in a war. I mean, that's a positive, I guess, right? I mean, it's it's you still want them to remember, but that, that's a bright side to this.
3: Oh, by all means, and, and the way things are going right now, and I think during this time that we're all able to spend a little bit more time to sit, reflect, gather our own thoughts uh, is a good opportunity to, to envision that and to be thankful for where we are. And we can get through something like this And because we, we, we should study and, and be more aware of, of what is going on. And yeah, you know, the fact that we're very fortunate that we know very few people that have been to, to a war, I, I guess, is good, but we don't want to lose that history it's on the internet. It's on YouTube. It's in books. There's no excuse why it can't still be talked about and discussed uh, on a on a more regular basis.
0: Yeah, I you know they had the um, the very tragic uh, helicopter crash this oh. week or l- late last week with the Canadian forces people on it, and yeah, there were still people who were lining up on the highway of heroes, and that's inspiring to see and and heartwarming to see. But it's—I don't think any of us can understand like that happens, and we go, "Wow, that's you know six people." I think it was six or maybe five or six, whatever it was. And now imagine that was every hour. and I just don't think we can grasp what that means and the comprehension of that for for those of us who are under a certain age, and maybe that's
1: why this kind of day slides by. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: We're talking about VE day and whether or not people remember, or whether or not we remember enough or whether or, not we, whether or not we know enough about this. And I think we've talked about this on this show before. I don't think with you, but if that were to happen today, if another world war were to break out today, like it did back then, you saw back then, well, not you, I mean, but people saw 15 year old, 16 year old, 17 year olds lining up to join and go over and fight. Do you think that would happen today?
2: I bet it wouldn't, because I wonder just the parenting has changed, right? Um, I wonder if if parents wouldn't allow that.
0: I think you're absolutely right that parents would be against it, but why? What? Why do you think it's changed so much? Because I'm sure that I mean I can assure I can be assured that there was no parent back then that was looking forward to their child going over right. and dying, but the kids still did it.
2: They still did What's it. Changed? Many lied about their ages to get in. Um, yeah, I just. Although you, you think warfare today is so much different than it was then, right? And and the worlds are so connected. It was like, oh, we're going over there to fight, and now it would be. Well, probably war is here if if it were to happen.
0: Mm, could be.
3: Yeah. You know. Could be for I, sure. I, I kind of listen. I, I I look at it to, to that. Respect as well. I do feel we are a much softer society. Um, we haven't had to grow up with, and the kids nowadays don't have to grow up with the hard times. And they're 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 given everything, if you will. And I don't know if they have the mentality, the mindset. And at times, I wonder if they even have the pride of knowing that they are Canadian and are willing to go out there and do what they need to do. I, and I think that's a shame. And again, I think it comes back to maybe some poor parenting, maybe um, some lack of information and schooling that goes on out there. But I also think it just comes down to a much softer society and, and there isn't that drive to want to go and do it. And I think that's very unfortunate.
0: I don't think, Annette, that once upon a time, again, it it would be easy to say that people didn't value life as much, that you were much more willing to go over there and sacrifice. And and they were sacrificing. But I mean, do do you believe that there was less of a value of life then? I'm not sure I I am willing to go down that path, but maybe it's true.
2: I, I think life is probably much more precious then, right? Because people died at a younger age and I, I'm sure there's a huge difference between um, the, sol- the young soldiers, especially who went in uh, into the First World War, thinking, you know, we all hear, oh, it was supposed to be over by Christmas, and it certainly wasn't. I wonder if that mentality changed going into the Second World War.
0: But they still signed up in droves for the Second World War. I mean, you're right, the First World War. And, and, and there is something different, too, is that probably mostly since the vietnam war the way that the coverage of war has been is very different and in world war ii now someone who is old enough to remember because i'm not and you're not annette and mike's not um but someone who's old enough can send me an email at radley at 900 chml.com i don't believe that back then reports coming back from the battlefield showed dead bodies or blown up bodies or what happened on the beaches. It was, they were heroic stories.
2: It, it was very so much, I, you hate to use the word propaganda, but it was, it was, it was, they didn't want to show how horrible it was.
0: So it seemed nope. like it was, you were going over to join the band of brothers and have a great time and then fight for your country and come home.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't say have a great time, but you know, be heroes and, and yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've been to, I've been to Juneau Beach and seen some of the, um, they, they have examples of, of Canadian newspapers there, what was sent back. And yeah, it, it was not, I mean, you know, they talk about losses, but then they talk about bravery. And, and, and that's certainly, I'm, you know, that's not covering things up, but it, it's just a certain, a different angle.
0: Yeah, if you leave out, though, the part about how horrible it can be, yeah. when I yeah. say go over and have a great time, I mean, obviously, you understand, I think, that it's war, but if it is heroic and with your brother's brothers quotes and, and whatever else, I mean, it sounds, I imagine back then it could have sounded pretty enticing, Mike, in some weird way.
2: I, I wonder, too, if I could just interject here. I wonder, too, if it, like, imagine how you would feel if you were a family member back home. You wouldn't want to how much of it was a respect to the family who was back home?
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we look at our, our friends down uh, south of the border there and, and look how that was promoted for them to, to go. Uncle Sam wants you. It was posters everywhere. It was, you're doing this for your country. And I don't know if that, mentality i don't know if that would we get the same type of steam going here if that really truly happened um unless of course you were here's your age if you fit you have to go through and and kind of like what they did so I, again i just think we look back and i love your point in that in regards to how families nowadays probably wouldn't want their their kids to go either
0: And we got to take a break here. But there's one other thing to this. And that is, after 9-11, you saw in the States when everybody rallied around the flag, basically, and circled the wagons, and everybody was ready to go and take on whomever. Now, you know, that passes, of course, and then people get divided on this and that and the other. But if somebody attacked here, I think you might see a lot more people willing to sign up than if it was a war on the other side of the world again
2: Exactly.
0: and where it's distant. If it's if it's something where they've come to your doorstep and attacked you, I think you might see an awful lot of people actually do it. But I, again, we got to go, but I think you'd have a very hard time if you if you played out the battles exactly as they were going to be in World War II and said, we want people to go to France and Belgium and Netherlands and everything. I, I think you'd have a hard, hard time I don't people think you'd have 15
3: and 16-year-olds still going nowadays. I think you'd have uh, more of the early 20s.
0: <laughs> well you'd have to get mom going. and dad to sign pieces of paper, and I don't see that happening
1: either. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: For those who don't know, um, if you were to scour the countryside from here to wherever, you will never find a bigger Disney fan than Annette at-home um, who goes regularly oh, no, down to I Disney. Have in
2: my house is, is a bigger fan than I am.
0: All right, so you're one and one A, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we're not talking about. I, everybody knows what's going on right now. When it reopens, are you going to be comfortable going down there? Because you go often, reasonably often. Are you going to be fine to go down, or does, has this feeling of that, or Wonderland, or Universal, or anywhere people go, has it changed? I
2: when they do reopen we're going to go. We have a trip planned for October, which we hope is still in place um, because they take such precautions. I remember being there at at Disney world. It it was just a few weeks after nine 11. And I couldn't believe the security that started. And and now that security is, is even has been even more heightened over the years. And it's just become, Oh, that's a a normal thing. Now you get everything checked before you go into, uh, into the parks. Uh, I'm sure they're going to take more precautions than are needed. So I don't have a problem going.
0: Mike, if you were going there or if you, you know, summertime, if they were open Wonderland or whatever else, would you you be comfortable going or is it now burned into your brain that I now have to be away from people?
3: You know, sitting back and reflecting, and uh, my wife and I, we've talked about this. We are probably going to be a little more cautious at this point. Until we know that there is a, a vaccine out there, I don't want to take any chances. We have some family members that uh, are susceptible to to um, if they were to catch this, so we don't want to take any chances. And I don't think we. I, I'm watching all these Blue Jays games. I'd love to get to a ball game, but sitting amongst fifty thousand people for three hours, it's not really doing it for me right now, Scott. So we'll, we'll probably hold off for at least until twenty twenty one. I think.
0: And now let's go back to Disney for a minute, literally and figuratively. Um, this is this is a, an unbelievable cost to them. Do you expect that it's going to be that they're even going to be able to do the same things when no. it comes back? No.
2: Um, and I don't I mean, mean not, I don't
0: mean safety or security. I mean entertainment wise.
2: No, not for the first. I, I bet it's going to take a couple of years to get back to. The crowd capacity that they had before, because I'm I i I'm kind of like personally following it quite closely, what's going on in Orlando with the, the whole theme park summits that are going on. And they're talking about when they do open, it will be like at 50% capacity at first. They're going to limit the amount of guests coming in. They're going to probably not open as many sit-down restaurants. Um, and how they do the crowd control, I'm not sure. And then every single ride will be cleaned before and after. Uh, guests go on it but I don't know I think that will take forever balloon um, so Disney Springs which used to be downtown Disney it's opening up on May the 20th it's doing like kind of a, a gradual reopening so that's where um, a lot of stores are that's where a lot of restaurants and bars are right now so it'll be interesting to see how that goes.
0: You know, and it's not just because Annette is on here, although certainly you are inspiration for doing this, but to me, somehow, uh Disney World seems like the sort of pinnacle, stereotypical thing. When you're talking about entertainment, when you're talking about theme parks, or whatever, I mean, it's Disney that you think of. And so as Disney goes, you get the sense, so goes everything else. And if that doesn't work or if they have to scale way back or something else, what else do the others do? And and, mm-hmm. and emotionally, what message does that send if you go there and you've been a million times and all of a sudden you go, oh, it's not the same?
2: I don't know. I thought it would be that way after 9-11 because I thought, I don't want to have to go through security and think about that kind of thing. And now it's just become, I mean, over many years, it's just become okay they're looking after safety right because if they don't if they mess it up then they're not going to have guests coming in so it's it's kind of very very important to their bottom line as well that they get it right
0: yeah Yeah. and and you know what around here i mean we don't have a theme park in this area but wonderland will be as close as we i mean even tourism though mike i mean hamilton i don't think we we, would consider hamilton a tourist mecca um We've talked on this show before about, you know, if you brought someone here, what are the tourist things that you would have them do? I'm not sure what people would put at the top of their list. I mean, that that's not a main industry in this city, but there there are tourist things, and I don't know how those are going to do for the next while because well,
2: what's going to happen?
0: Nothing. That was. I mean,
3: question. I w- a discussion I was having in that earlier with with a, a colleague of mine regarding Supercrawl. A hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people coming through in four days. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Tim Potasek and the crew are starting to make some decisions. There's the Lock Street Festival uh, that comes up in in in, in uh, August, September as well. So many mm-hmm. things. Well, don't we see what's happening with the Bulldogs, so on and so forth. So, and and you talk about what's going on here. Waterfalls. That's a huge reason why yeah. people come to yeah. Hamilton and they've all been shut down you're being ticketed will they eventually slowly reopen we'll see what happens after this weekend after some of the trails have been opened and if waterfalls will be opened down the road but again i think people just have to be cautious and smart and paul johnson said it today i believe it was paul or mayor fred if you see a crowd back off for now and to your point i think disney if if there is someone to watch and how things are done Disney sets the bar extremely high, and I think a lot of eyes and businesses will be watching how Disney reopens, how they do it, and their phone lines will be flooded with uh, with suggestions.
0: I, I will say as we go to break here, um, the one good thing about all this, uh, no idiots have fallen into the waterfalls lately, so we've had no rope rescue. So I suppose there's a silver lining for everything.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Everybody in their home. I think Annette said she was going to be at her kitchen table and I don't know where Mike is and I'm in my basement. Um, Hey, technology is wonderful, Annette, until... uh, Let me ask. Let me stop for a second. Other than this call, because you're on TV, so you have to be in the station. You have to be in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. How much technology are you using now that you had not used prior? Much? Much?
2: All of our interviews at the station now are on Skype, so we have no guests coming in. Everything's on Skype. And so that's that's a big change. And it's it's so, like, I love when our guests come into the studio, so I'm really missing that uh, because, you know, you chat with them in the hallway before and after. But it's also very neat through Skype to see their home environment, right? So we've uh-huh. got registered dietitians doing things in their kitchen. And I'm like, I almost kinda like that better in some cases. So Especially when you spot the giant bags
0: of chips in the background. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Gotcha. And then then at home just doing just been lots of Zoom meetings.
0: Zoom meetings. Mike, have you been doing much zooming? Well, of course, every Wednesday night, uh, the virtual town halls are through Zoom
3: on Cable 14, and I've been doing a number of Zoom webinars. If anything, technology has always been kind of a – it has never been my friend. So this is really – because I've always had an IT person around to say, hey, can you just set this up for me? It's actually taught me a lot of patience, and it's actually taught me – to understand technology and how not to be afraid of it. So, yeah, between Zoom and Hangouts, and uh, there's a bunch of other apps I guess I'm using, uh, it. It I'm enjoying it, but to Annette's point, I miss the pre- and post-conversation with guests in studios because sometimes... And Annette, I think you can attest to this. Sometimes that's when the camera should be running, too. Sometimes those are the best parts. Oh, yeah. I think this could be part of an interview. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I think of how many times we've had the fashion segments in, and it's a really quick turnaround, right, between one segment in the studio and another. And we've had mannequins with arms falling off and legs falling off and no heads. And it's, it's hilarious. And then, like, five seconds to air, we put everything together. It's like, <gasps> take a breath and start. <laughs> so that's yeah. it's lots of fun
0: there is there's no question that in-person interviews in particular and i just think conversations in general but are generally better and i I was watching earlier this week a little bit of they they attempted to uh hold the house of commons question period or whatever online and it's like okay you know what this is first of all you've got you've got a lot of people who are a little older so technology as mike says is not necessarily their friend but it's just it's horrible. And then my personal favorite story today, because everyone is now on Zoom. I, I don't know who, I haven't looked up who the person is who started Zoom or owned Zoom, but he's probably now competing with Bill Gates for the richest man in the world, because everybody is using this all of a sudden. But in South Africa, the South African parliament tried to do what Canada is doing um, and hold open discussions and people, I guess, could call it. Anyway, didn't go well. <laughs> Some Somebody hacked into South Africa's parliamentary meetings and filled the airspace that was going all across the country with porn, which, you know, somehow, <laughs> somehow, um, yeah. I,
2: I can understand how embarrassing that is.
0: i, I I'm not going to say that CHCH has had that happen once or twice, but only briefly. Once, um, only once. <laughs> and and l- look, you guys got more news coverage for that than probably, well, I don't want to say than anything else ever, but... No, it's, it is interesting though, because there's so many of us who know our way around some technology, but man, all of a sudden when you're forced to use it, uh, as Mike says, uh, Annette, you really realize who the people are for whom technology is their friend and who are the people who are just flailing to stay above the water with this stuff.
2: And I'm right in between.
3: (laughs) And, 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 you know, to your point, Scott, we just alluded to a little earlier, you know, regarding hacking and, and, and how we are so much more vulnerable nowadays, this is, you know, the way the IT world and tech industry is going to move forward uh, during and after uh, what we're going through right now, you really have to be cautious. I'm I'm ultra-cautious of of what I'm doing and, and I'm talking to some certain tech people, how can I better enhance my security? Again, I really don't think anyone's going to hack Mike Fortune. They don't care what I'm doing. But for a CH or for a city hall, town hall, or whatever the case might be, there are people out there that want to cause a disturbance, and they have the tech savvy to know how to do that. And if you're an IT person, you got to try to keep up
0: because these hackers are always three, four steps ahead annette do you think when this is all over whenever that is do you think that everyone is going to remain on zoom or is zoom going to be the thing that we talk about about once upon a time we use this thing called zoom and people will still have it but it becomes that thing that we did back in the day
2: oh i hope it goes away i i really don't (laughs) no i i'm not kidding you i find zoom meetings exhausting like mentally exhausting because it's like you're on all the time in a real meeting i can you know, you you kind of you're you're looking only at the speaker and nobody's watching you back. But on a Zoom meeting you don't know who's watching you, who should I look at, what should I do? Yep. And you feel like you're always on when you're and in a real meeting visible at a meeting, then it's it's like, well, yeah, of course you're gonna behave yourself, but it's you know, I, I just I find them so mentally draining.
0: And in a real meeting, Annette, you're probably wearing pants, which you may not be doing
1: in a Zoom no, meeting. So, pants.
0: although
2: I'm wearing pants right now, it's awesome.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900CHML. I want to I want to
0: ask about something that it's a very serious topic, it's a very unfortunate topic, and um, but I'm having a little bit of trouble with this one. Now, have both of you heard the story? And people listening, I don't know if you've all heard the story of Brendan Leipzig who is a hockey player, plays for the Washington Capitals, played for the Washington Capitals. Mm -hmm. And a few days ago, um, he says his social media was hacked, whether it was or wasn't. Somehow, some online texting and Instagram conversations that he had had with, I think, his brother and another player uh, got out. And they were... I don't even know what the right words are. They were...
2: Misogynistic.
0: That's a good word. And unpleasant and mean. And I mean, there was a lot to dislike in what was said. And if you really want to find out all the stuff that was said, we're not going to tell you here, but let it just be said that it was, it was crap. I mean, it was stuff that you don't need to say. And certainly it came across as very mean spirited and very unnecessary. And again, the last name, if you're looking for it, L-E-I-P-S-I-C, you can go look it up, Brendan Leipzig so here's the thing in response to this and the stuff was garbage and the stuff was as i say i mean pick whatever word you want but in response to this the washington capitals have announced that they've terminated they've they've severed ties with him and and gotten rid of him and annette while i don't condone what he said in any way and what he said was garbage and all that kind of stuff I. The one problem with this I have is I, I, I really do have a tough time ending someone's career by words they said, even if you hate those words That said. I become very skittish when we start telling people what they can and can't say, even if the stuff is crap. Where do you stand on this?
2: Oh, he represents the team. That doesn't represent the team's values. I agree with the Capitals waving him
0: even though okay I, and, and i understand that position for sure i mean if you said something you represent chch and so That's right, I'd be done. And, and 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 probably so um i don't know again i i i i'm not defending the guy i, I don't want that to be the mic, i don't want that to be the position i'm not defending anything he said and, and a lot of what he said quite frankly the bigger issue here is how do you go back to the dressing room and deal with the people whose wives you insulted or whatever else but I just, as I say, I, I, we we tend to be oftentimes sensitive about words and uh, I don't know. I, I almost feel like, you know what, if you're going to say that stuff, you can deal with the consequences publicly. The team's not going to defend you. But I'm, I am I get skittish when we start just axing people for doing, for saying things.
3: Well, first off, you know, no one is going to be hacking a, a, a journeyman, you know, 89th overall pick in the NHL. So, A, I think that I'm going to call him on that. That's BS. Second of all, you are a professional athlete. You are under that microscope. Thirdly, you always have to be aware and cautious nowadays that at any given time you are being recorded, you are being uh, screen saved, anything you are being done – And if you think that you're not, then excuse my language, but you're an idiot because everything is being recorded and captured, and at any point it will go out there. And Brendan now is finding out the hard way. And to Annette's point, he represents not only the Washington Capitals, he represents the NHL. And I know that if Annette was to make comments like that, or you, Scott, or I, our employer has the right to say, you're out of here, because guess what? I've signed a code of conduct. I've gone through company training knowing what is and isn't acceptable from my employer, and that should be no different than an NHL player. Now, will I have a chance maybe to reapply at other jobs? Quite possibly, but maybe it will follow me. That's a chance you take. Always assume you're being recorded
0: and things will leak out. And that, I I mean, I agree with that 100%. And I, look, I, I, have a, I have a 21-year-old son, a 22-year-old son now. He just turned 22. Um, and we've had this discussion numerous times over the years because he's of the social media generation. As Mike says, what you write down lives. It lives forever. People will find it forever. Annette, the, 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 where I'm struggling with this, though, is not, again, not defending anything he said. It's that where does the line get drawn so if he had said some things that he said but not other things would he still be fired or like how do we determine if you say anything that someone determines to be offensive should that person lose their job and and i'm not i'm not trying to be funny and i'm not trying to be silly here i mean how do you determine where the line is where the words are enough that we're going to do something about it or just say don't do it again
2: i i don't like The stuff that he wrote, fat-shaming women and and you know sexually vulgar things, like no, he's he's done. So I don't think there's any. Well, maybe he, if he just fat-shamed women, that would be okay. Maybe a slap on the wrist. It's, it's like no, if if something's unoffensive and puts the team in a bad light, then he's gone.
0: What he, would you say what that he, across? Sorry, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say what he what he should have done accepted
3: responsibility apologized what can i do to make it better i'm going to volunteer my time i'm going to give up a portion of my salary to charity x y and z mentor action or whatever that might be and then maybe then you can start to say okay this guy truly means it he wasn't accountable he tried to cover it up and he lied if if you take those steps you're gone if you take the first part of what I said and really are uh, sorry for what you did and show empathy, then I think as a society,
0: you can give someone a second chance. Is his biggest mistake though, that he wrote it down on social media, because here's why I say that I will bet money that every single person who has ever played a professional sport, almost, let's say 98%, and every person who has been in the music business or whatever business almost any business has at one time or another said something insulting about someone else and maybe very insulting about someone else but the difference here is that that per we I, whoever who said that it may have been only verbally not in writing where there's a record that you can trace is is Mm -hmm. that the is that the mistake
2: yeah and and i know it was a private group chat and everything but you know nothing is really private
0: anymore right but does this mean that, Annette? And and look, you. I have to say it again. I'm not defending what he said. I read it and I was like, "How stupid can you be? And how mean spirited can you be?" But does that mean that if your boss became aware that you, and when I say you, I don't mean you, Annette. I know you would never say anything negative about anyone, and never have. I, I know that.
1: Yeah. But know but if yet.
0: you, if you, the <laughs> you, the broader you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But no, but if your boss ever became aware that they heard through the grapevine that the big you had said something bad about someone else in the office, do they have an obligation then to call you in and fire you?
2: But there's a difference between saying something bad about somebody in the office and, and saying these kind of things, right?
0: What if they were these kind of things that you heard someone said in the office, but you had no proof because it wasn't written down?
2: Yeah, that would... That would be a talking to probably, but it, it is again, it's, it's social media. And like you say, you cannot get rid of it. Right. There's
0: a record. Yeah. I mean, for, for, it's not just that I'm with Mike on this one and with you as well on this one. It's not just that he said incredibly offensive things. It's almost that you look at the guy and go, you may be too stupid to play in the NHL. If this is how you think you can do stuff and you don't understand, may, maybe, maybe, mm you know, maybe all the brain cells aren't functioning at this point. I don't know. I don't know. It just, go ahead. I I don't
3: want to, I don't want to paint everyone, every athlete with the same brush, but you know, I think there sometimes is that jock mentality, you know, there's that lifestyle that they've lived and that is slowly starting to change. And again, you're going to keep having until people really see what the punishments are, uh, if players don't get it then they're going to continue to lose their careers because of this. We all know it takes a lifetime to build up your reputation and you can lose it in a minute. Mm -hmm. So be more aware of what you're doing out there, whether you're an account executive, a radio host, or a hockey player. And this is the new world and the new norm that we are in. And this has to be taught at home and you have to continue to follow social media to see how you are hurting and affecting other people by your words and your actions.
0: I just don't know that the lesson that comes out of this is don't think this way or don't talk this way. I think, honestly, the lesson most people will just have is just make sure you don't write it down. And I'm not yeah. sure that solves the problem. You,
3: you even have to worry about saying it, though. Phones are being are recording things. You don't know if you walk into a meeting and someone's got the recorder on their phone going at the same time.
2: Yeah, what Always be aware that, that they you're got into recorded. an Uber and the, and the driver... Uh, was recording their comments that they made about their coach.
0: Yes, that was the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa Senators, right. Yeah, I mean, you don't know. And and again, you know, I mean, look, it, it makes it a... We would like to believe that we're all on our best behavior at all times and that we are all capable of never saying anything that we would regret. But... It, it does raise that specter of like, can you ever let your guard down? And I'm not, again, I don't want to say letting your guard down is saying these horrible things about women and everything else, but even at a lower level than this, if you did criticize someone and you're in a car, you know, boy, it's, um, it, it's a different world we live in than, than what the people were living in years ago who may have said horrible things too, but we just never found out about it. I mean, mm-hmm. how many people are our heroes in any line of work that we don't know, 25, 30 years ago, we might've said they would have been run out of the business. Mm -hmm. Criticism is one thing, Scott, but downright revolting
3: comments, that's a whole other thing.
0: It is, uh, as I say, it is is a lesson for sure. I hope the lesson is not just don't write down the stupid stuff that you're thinking. Um, I would hope the lesson is, well, preferably don't think that stuff, change your mind, but, um, you know, just don't say it at all, but, you know, anyone want to put their hand up and say, this will be the last time this ever happens. Not Not here. Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, we will probably be talking about this next time. We do one of these conversations. Uh, You know what? I am going to uh, thank you for your time. We are going to um, take this, take a break. We're going to come back with the quiz question. We are then going to take the screen test. Um, Annette. Mike, thanks for doing this. Loved having you guys on as always. We've got to do this more often. It's been way too long. Thanks for joining me.
2: It has. Thanks very much. And happy birthday to your wife.
0: Thank you. She will be uh, delighted to get to the cake that pro- right by now probably looks more like soup. There we go. Yeah. Happy birthday, Monica, Annette. Continue doing the great work.
3: Uh, say hi to everyone at CH and Be Safe. And Scotty, thanks for having us on, man.
1: The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.